Hello, everyone. Welcome to your podcast, Sharing Sweat Equity, a business podcast hosted by your El Paso Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and the Minority Women's Enterprise Diversity Center. I am Idali Discareño, your host for the show. I'd like to take care of some housekeeping items. If you're looking for commercial real estate in El Paso, reach out to our friends at Epicenter at 915-532-3456. They have locations all over El Paso. Also, special shout out to our friends over at Sun Carpets for sponsoring our podcast room. Today, we have a great, great speaker, awesome guest. We're super excited to have him, Dr. Bill Mitchell. How are you, Dr. Mitchell? I am doing very well today. How are you doing? I am great. I'm so excited to have this session uh, just because we've been looking forward to our conversation. You have, a, I feel, a lot of insight to give us, so I'm very excited to, you know, get some answers from you. So let's go ahead and get started. Like I said, today you're joining the Learn to Thrive and Survive with Dr. Bill Mitchell virtual session. Uh, my name is Idali Tiscareño, Marketing Specialist with the WBBC. So um, before we get started, I do want to have an announcement. So we just got approved for more money to give out to businesses located in the county. So if you're located in Anthony, Canotillo, Clint, Fabian, San Elisario, Socorro, Donillo, Vinton, any of those areas, you you can qualify for a grant. Uh, we have grants from $1,500 um, up to $5,000. So go ahead and give us a call at 915-566-4066. Uh, you can also visit our website at www.epxc.org uh, to fill out the application, okay? Um, also, we still have uh, small business survival kits for COVID. They do contain hand sanitizers, mask, a retooling sign for your door, uh, social distancing decals. So we have all of, the, all of these goodies. You don't have to be in the county. You can also be in the city for this particular program. So go ahead and give us a call. Send us a message through Facebook, through Instagram, anywhere. Uh, we can go ahead and help you. So let's go ahead and get started. Dr. Bill Mitchell. So I want to introduce him properly. Um, and I do want to read a little bit about him. Uh, so Bill is a CEO, uh, COO for More Talent Corporation. Prior, Bill was the president and CEO of Aguila, a Foxconn company, and a VP of business operations for the Foxconn Corporation. Dr. Mitchell is known for his success in helping develop organizations with value-based cultures. Over the past 25 years, Bill has worked with more than 500 corporations and organizations, helping develop best-of-breed practices to provide long-term success. He has served as the executive coach and corporate psychologist for many current leading corporations. He provides unique insights into the development of policy, process, and people that serve as a catalyst for systematic, sustainable growth. Over 30 years of professional public speaking, Bill has motivated audiences in 47 states and five continents. He has designed and presented training in the areas of teamwork, ethics and leadership, communication, corporate culture, and many more. His unique conversational style and subtle humor allow him to instruct, inspire, and impact audiences from all walks of life. So after reading that, you can definitely tell why we're so excited to have him. Welcome, Dr. Mitchell. Uh, well, thank you so much. I, I hope I don't disappoint anybody. Thank you very much. I don't know who wrote that, but I own a dinner or something. No, I mean, um, right off the bat, we can tell you have a lot of insights, so we're super excited. Um, and I mean, I think we can go ahead and get started. I do want to remind everyone, 
if you are logged in via Zoom, if you register via Zoom, we are accepting questions. So you can leave them either on the chat, which is at the bottom of your screen, or on the Q&A panel, also located at the bottom of your screen. You do have the option of um, leaving your question anonymous, or you can leave your name. That's absolutely up to you. And if you're joining us via Facebook Live, you can also leave your questions via the comments section. Or if you want to remain anonymous, you can uh, send it to us via Facebook message. So feel free to do that. We do have another staff member on standby um, uh, monitoring those questions for us, and they'll be sending them to me as well, okay? Awesome. So let's get started with the first question, Dr. Mitchell. Um, I know, so... Right now we're working from home. A lot of us are working from home. Um, some other offices have been able to open. So what is your insight on coping with the stress and the promote the well-being in a workplace that is actually at home? So how do, how do we control that? Let's go ahead and start with that question. Well, that's a broad question. There's a number of different things that uh, we can do. I'm also right now serving as the COO, Chief Operations Officer for iStream Financial Services, which is a technology company. And I've been helping. They're all working remotely as well. There's an, quite a few pretty, it's a bigger company, a lot of remote employees. And so we've been developed, I've been helping them develop the right kind of work environment. So there's several things that I think are important in working from home. If you're the CEO, the owner of the business, especially if it's a smaller business and you don't have a huge team, there's a few things that are important in any company, but they become even more important with a remote workforce. So I'll go through a couple tips. The first thing is communication. I've been, as you know, for, as you mentioned with companies for going on 30 years now, the two biggest challenges of every corporation are trust and communication. And that's true when we're in person, seeing everybody every day, able to walk in, see them in their cubicle, in their office, see them on the job, in their location, whatever it might be. But whenever we're in this situation where we're hardly seeing people, we can't just walk down the hall or we can't stop by the job site, depending upon the kind of business or whatever, like we normally could uh, without great effort. Trust and communication, though they're always important, now they're even more paramount. They're really at the top. And so you've got to be very, very intentional about building trust and working on having just a high level of effective communication. And so there's a couple tips that I would give people when it comes from a management or leadership standpoint, or even if just as an employee standpoint, I always tell the people that work for me, communication is your responsibility. So I call it the two X factor. Whenever it comes to communication, we need to do twice as much of it. It doesn't mean that we need to have meetings that run twice as long, but we need to give opportunity to communicate two times more. So for instance, uh, if you were having, say you had a staff meeting every Monday for an hour, my suggestion is rather than have one staff meeting for an hour on Monday, have a staff meeting for 30 minutes on Monday, <clears throat> and then maybe uh, another meeting on Thursday for another half hour, just to increase the frequency and the visibility. There's an old expression, the less accessible, accessible you are, the more visible you need to be from a leader for leaders and leadership standpoint. So that's something that I would recommend that they do that they increase the number of meetings. I've also suggested a lot of people have regular stand-up meetings. Those are in a person in Google and see how to hold them. But typically in a person meeting, everybody comes into a room, they stand up because you want to keep it short and go around. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? What do you have? And, you know, and everybody can share real quick, just kind of a circling the wagons 
type of meeting, I would recommend that you, some companies it might be good for you to do that five minutes at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day. It's also a great opportunity to kind of hold your people accountable if you're not sure if they're starting their day on time, uh, you know, they're still in their PJs or whatever. Another thing that I would recommend, and we can, I can shut up, we can dive deeper, or there may be some questions around this, is that you have a video on policy. Um, the, there's a lot now because we've been doing this for almost a year, uh, globally, we have almost a year and there's science and studies that are coming out about the value of having the video on. And I know that, you know, people put these cute little pictures of kittens and dogs and butterflies and everything else. That's <laughs> fine. And, but there is so much that we lose without having face-to-face -face conversation. This is not ideal, but it's certainly a good substitute. It's, you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck by having people have their videos on. So I would institute a video on policy for people that are working from home. I would try to dedicate an area and set up. I'm, I'm fortunate. I've got a home office. Not everybody has that. Some people, their home office is their dining room table, but I would try to designate an area where you have your work and your life separate. I encourage people to have conferences with people that they live with. A lot of times you have multiple people in the same household, whether spouses or whatever, all working from home. And so laying some ground rules, setting things up. I had my uh, son, his wife, and their two-year-old daughter staying with us while their house was getting ready here a while back. Mm -hmm. And there were on more than one occasion, she found her way into my work office, even though it's way back in the back of the house, and came walking in and talking loud as she could. It's not her fault. She's too. <laughs> and, and, but, but as business owners, you need to be understanding that that, that kind of stuff is going to happen. And I think we all just, it's a different world. It, and it's tough enough working from home. We can relax. If your dog jumps in your lap or, you know, the kid walks in, it's okay. That's okay. So uh, there's just some some things that I would encourage you to, to do. There's a lot more I'm, I'm doing a, with the corporation that I'm working as COO for. We have an all-hands meeting every Monday morning, and I do about a three- to five-minute uh, tips from working at home and staying sane uh, every week with them. And uh, so I've got a lot of material I can talk about here, but that's something that you might even consider with your companies, uh, the folks that are listening, you might consider doing that as well. So... Uh, I hope that helps. Is that, I hope that answers Of course. Your question. No, yeah. yes, definitely. And I agree. I mean, um, personally, so I did have to work from home for about a week and a half. Um, you know, uh, all of us <coughs> in the office adjusting to, to our situation, right? And I even Absolutely. told um, Cindy Ramos, Davidson, our CEO, that you, yeah, you know, um, I told her I was not a fan of working from home just because, it, like you said, you have to find that space at home to, you know, be comfortable, to be productive. And it's difficult. I have a dog. She was barking the whole time, yeah. <laughs> especially during conferences, which was um, terrible. And um, you did mention how, you know, when you're actually working in an office, you, you get that communication a little bit better. You can send up from your desk, go to another person's office uh, instead of sending an email or giving a call. And from working remotely, I mean, all you have is email and I mean, you can pick up the phone, but it's not the same. You can, you definitely need that engagement with your uh, coworkers, with your uh, staff members. So I absolutely agree. Um, so moving on to the next uh, question. So um, right now it's definitely um, hard uh, for some people, you know, to stay optimistic 
um, throughout these times. So what do you recommend to stay optimistic? Um, I know we've heard, so we did have a session. Um, it was called Dynamic Women to Women. It was about two weeks ago. We had some doctors join us um, and we went through, you know, mental health, uh, physical health. And they mentioned that, you know, there are certain ways you can help your body be optimistic. So in a situation for in a, someone's in a leadership role, how do they stay optimistic for their employees? Do you recommend some sort of exercises like yoga, meditation? Uh, what, are, what are your um, tips or insights about that? Well, eat all the above, you know, mm -hmm. everything. I, I think you've got to do, and you've got to know what works for you. I've been a, for my whole adult life, I've been a morning guy. So I get up every morning, I exercise, run, ride a bike, you know, do cardio, do a little bit of weight training. I've done that for my whole adult life. Mm -hmm. And that's key. And there's, you could, it's a, you ought to Google, everybody should Google what effective or successful people do before 7 a.m. That'd be mm -hmm. a good, don't Google it now. But Google is listening to me. And uh, there's some good tips. And what you'll find is there's several things that people have in common. And we're talking leaders of major, major corporations. If I were to call their names, everybody would know them. And I'm, I don't want to call their names because I don't agree with everything they stand okay. But highly effective and successful people typically do several things early in the morning. Number one, they get some kind of physical fitness routine in. Number two, they have some kind of spiritual experience, whether it's prayer, meditation, spiritual reading, reading their Bible, whatever they do, you know, works for them. And the third thing, one of the things they also do is they also, almost all of them have good nutrition, take in some kind of good nutrition, whether it's some kind of a shake, protein shake, or uh, they juice greens or whatever it is or something. So they pay attention to mind, you know, their body and their mm -hmm. soul or their spirit. And they, they do all those things. And so I think that's one thing that you want to do. That's good for everybody all the time, regular life. And if you don't have those routines in place, then I would encourage you to do them. I've done it early in the morning. I had kids pretty young in life. And I've always, for me, if it didn't happen before 6.30, it wasn't going to happen because my kids were going to be up. And then <laughs> you know how it is. You're, you're off. To, the day starts. Yeah, it does. The day starts. So I've gotten up between 4 and 4.30 for the last four, 35 years anyway. Wow. Uh, and have done that. And it works for me. You know, now that doesn't work for everybody. But whatever it is, have a routine that does that. The second thing in our new world, I would suggest that there's several things that you can do to stay sane uh, and stay positive. And remember this, everything rises and falls on leadership. And if you're the leader of your business or your organization, your people are never going to be any higher than you are. And then that's attitudinal as well, not just from a performance standpoint or production, but that's ad for their attitude that they have. You set the tone and the attitude for the organization. So here's a few things uh, one, that you can do. One of the things that I do is I force myself to get up and walk around. I do Teams meetings or Zoom meetings like this literally all day, every day. And what I have done is I block a time where my meetings don't run for the full hour. They run for 50 minutes. And that gives me a chance. And, you know, here in El Paso where we live, I can go outside every day. You know, sometimes I move my meetings to outside and I will literally sit outside on my back patio. It's conducive to that and just enjoy being outside and get a break, get out of my office. I've got a nice, very nice home office, but still gets a little 
close the walls, start closing mm-hmm. it inside all the time. And uh, so I do that. I force myself to get up, walk around just like I would at an office, get outside. And the other thing that you can do to stay positive is make sure that you are building in win wins. And what I mean by that, if, especially if you're the leader, I try to end my day with positive conversations with positive people. So if I, if I let's say I'm in sales, uh, I may schedule a meeting with a client that I know wants to do business with me toward the end of the day. Uh, if I'm having a conversation with uh, an employee, uh, I may schedule those more positive conversations toward the end of the day. And the reason I do that is I end on a positive note. And it just makes things better. I try to start my day with the same kind of meetings as well. And uh, those are a few things that you can do. Certainly, I'm sure, you know, vitamin D3 is a good vitamin you need to take if you're not getting enough sunlight. Uh, And from a nutritional standpoint, I don't want to give out medical advice. You've already Mm -hmm. had those kind of people here. But there's a number of things. Our bodies are machines. We have to take in good nutrition. I try to focus on that and make sure that I'm eating the right kind of stuff and uh, to feed the machine, you know, to stay positive. Uh, The other thing I do is, I mean, I'm, you know, it's, I've been working from home since March, like most, a lot of people have. And I'm one as a public speaker, that's one of the things I've done. I'm used to getting on an airplane and travel. All that's gone. So it's been a major lifestyle adjustment for me. And I have renewed some old friendships and relationships over the phone or video conference mm-hmm. like this people that I refer to them as batteries. They just charge me up. You know, you talk to them, you don't even have to talk about problems or issues. You just talk to them for a little bit and they're, they're, I call them life enrichers or life enhancers, but those are a few things that might help. Awesome. No. And I think what you said rings so truth ending your day in a positive note. I mean, there's uh there's a reason why people say don't go to bed angry or upset with your spouse it's kind of the same situation um if you're in a leadership role i mean don't end the day in a negative note with your employees so i i definitely agree with that and uh dr mitchell i did want to say that we already have some questions coming in from the audience would you like to answer those as they come in Uh, yeah let's i'd rather just Uh, i'd rather Meet the needs of the people. So whatever they Definitely. have. Absolutely. Yeah. So we do have Stephanie Delgado asking uh, via the chat box, how do you neutralize passive aggressive behavior at work? You know, that's uh, something we all face and it's a challenge and because it's passive aggressive. And people who are really good at passive aggressive behavior can deny that there's any aggressive piece or negative piece. <laughs> And that's why it's passive aggressive. They do it in such a way that they can always say, oh, I didn't mean it in a bad way. Yeah, you did. Who do you think you're kidding me? You know? <laughs> and so I'm always very, the best thing to do, this is what I try to do, is passive aggressive behavior or aggressive, any kind of negative behavior <clears throat> is typically a result of some kind of a circumstance. And it could be that um, they don't like somebody. It could be they don't like a circumstance or a situation. They don't like, there's normally something they're reacting to. Some people are just passive aggressive in their nature. They just, they use those barbs just to get you. So what I do is I'm going to date myself here. Years ago, there was a TV show called, actually started out as a radio show called Dragnet. And there was a Sergeant Joe Friday and you probably heard this. You may not know where it came from, but he'd say, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. It was the most boring show you've ever seen from a uh, dramatic or, I mean, they, everybody talked mon- monotone all the time, but he would always say just the facts. And so what I do when people are passive aggressive is I will deal with the facts. 
and leave the emotion out. You know, I was a counselor for many years. One of my PhDs is in psychology. And uh, mm -hmm. when I would counsel couples, I would write down their complaints, physically mm -hmm. write down their complaints about their spouse or significant other. And then uh, I would read it back to them. And I can't tell you how many times whenever I'd be reading back their complaints where whoever was doing the complaining would say, Dr. Mitchell, you, you got to put some emotion into that. It, it doesn't sound like it's that big a deal when you read it like that. The truth is, it's <laughs> that's not because that it's not a big deal. deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not. And that's why as a boss, as an executive, as a leader, uh, whenever I have passive aggressive behavior, I want to know what the facts are. Mm -hmm. And I don't let people get away with it. So let's say somebody takes kind of a shot. I'll call them out on it, not necessarily in front of the room, mm -hmm. but if, they're all, if they do it, if they act passive aggressively in front of the room, in my mind, they opened up the door to be free game. Now I won't attack them, but I'll say, what's the real issue? What are you mm -hmm. getting? And then I'll ask them for what's the solution. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody says, well, I don't know why they got that project. Let's just say, you know, or, uh, well, they always get the good ones something like that, right. I, would, I would call them out, not necessarily publicly for something like that, because it might embarrass the other person in the room. But I would say, um, you made a comment about they always get the good ones. Give me your thoughts on that. Oh, well, no, I, I didn't mean anything by it. Well, it, no, you did. Or no, you, you did because you said it, right. Uh, and I don't let them have a pass. I don't let them go. Mm -hmm. And typically, they would, if they really didn't mean it, they'll back off a little bit. But they always meant it or they wouldn't have said it. You know, they... Uh, uh, there's an old expression, you know, sometimes people drink a little bit and they will run their mouth. And what I've learned is uh, drunken words are sober thoughts oftentimes. Right. So true. Whenever uh, someone gets angry or upset or frustrated, angry words are calm thoughts. It's what they're thinking in their head. They never say, but when they get mad, they say it. And so I would call them out on it. And then I would always deal with the facts. Never let it be about personality. Mm -hmm. Never, 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 never let it be about personality. Always deal with the facts. Always deal with the evidence and lead with that and then confront them with that. And I could go into much more depth, but what I do is I call attention to it. Mm -hmm. I find out, I resolve the initial situation, whatever they're referring to. Let's solve that problem and make them, if possible, make them come up with a solution. And oftentimes when people are being passive aggressive, they don't know the whole story. Mm. and they're just looking at it from their perspective or they have a personal agenda. I don't put up with any of that bottom line as a business for this is a business as a bottom line, we need to make money. We, our people are our greatest value. They're our greatest asset, but we need to make money. You tell me if you were in my shoes, what would you do? Definitely. And then I enlighten them of the things that they're not aware of that caused me to make that decision. I know it's a long answer to a short question. Spent a lot of time there. I, I don't know if that doesn't answer their question. Please uh, mm -hmm. ask, ask some more and we'll, we'll. Definitely. Dive. Yeah, okay. no, I think it's, it's a great answer. And actually the same, what you said that saying we have a, I don't know if you, if you know uh, Spanish, Dr. Mitchell, but there is a saying in Spanish that says, entre broma y broma, la verdad se asoma. So, <laughs> right? Exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> And I agree. Absolutely. Uh, awesome. Alrighty. So we uh, still have questions coming in through the Q and A panel. So reminder: um, if you have questions, we are here to answer them. Well, Dr. Mitchell is here to answer them. So um, we also have some love coming in from Facebook. We have Pat Freddy on Facebook saying, "Dr. Bill oh. Mitchell is awesome." Well, so is she. Hello, Pat. I love you. You know that you're a wonderful lady. 
<laughs> Alrighty, so we have Ms. Jessica Garcia asking, do you recommend exercising early in the morning or at night? I think you've got to do what works for you. I recommend early in the morning, and I've done a little bit of research on this. Um, there's something that happens. There's endorphins, dopamine, a lot of things, adrenaline that are released when you exercise. And that's why I exercise in the morning because that sets me for the day. There's all kinds of science about people who run or do cardio in the morning and how it uh, gets their brain firing, wakes everything up and allows you to concentrate and to think and be more alert, more active and more positive through the day. So personally, I do it in the morning I've all, and I've done that for years. I've tried at different times because of the stages of life my family was at to run in the evenings and those kinds of things and I've done it, but never with consistency. I have found that there's just so much that can happen through the day. Right. And by the end of the day, I'm exhausted. And there's also a lift that if it's something you struggle with, exercising, if that's a discipline you struggle with, that's why I get it done in the morning because now it's done. I can go through the day and not feel guilty. And if you don't enjoy exercise, then you're dreading it all day long. But you, you get it done first thing in the morning. You know, Mark Twain used to joke. He said, you know, if you have to eat a frog, do it the first thing in the morning and then the day can get better from there. Now, why you would ever have to eat a frog, I don't know if that's what Mark Twain said. And so I try to get those things that I don't necessarily, and I don't necessarily enjoy exercise. I don't like running. I've run marathons and everything else, but I don't enjoy it. It's just something I've had to discipline myself to do. But yes, definitely I would recommend for me, do it in the morning, first thing, get it done, get it out of the way. That way it's done and it just makes your day go better. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a, a great answer because, I mean, that's exactly what they say. If you have a list of things to do throughout the day, do the hardest thing first, uh, the one that will take the longest. So, I mean, if you if you don't enjoy exercising, I think it's a good idea to do it in the morning. Personally, I mean, uh, <laughs> I should take my own advice, right? But uh, let's maybe something in the new year, right? <laughs> there you go, some... <laughs> new year. <laughs> All righty, so let's move on to the next question coming from Ms. Guerrero. Uh, question to Dr. Mitchell, where does your passion as a motivational speaker come from? Oh, that's a great question. Um, my mom and dad. I, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this. You may have to shut me off, ma'am, because I get talking about <laughs> uh, My mom and dad were both raised as sharecroppers in the South in Alabama. And if you don't know what that is, those are people who basically lived as indentured servants, or I don't like to use other words, but they lived in a shack. My dad grew up in a two-room shack uh, with no running water, no electricity. Their kitchen was the front yard. He never had a pair of store-bought shoes till he was 15. Um, it just, they lived very, very poor. They lived off the land. They raised cotton is what they raised in those days. He picked cotton by hand and plowed behind a mule. And he was a World War II generation. And so they grew up with nothing. And then they moved when my mom was expecting me, was actually pregnant with me to, here to El Paso. So I'm uh, born and raised El Paso, Barrio Northeast, all day, brother. Bring it. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, and we grew up in a working class poor neighborhood here in Northeast, be honest with you, a little center block home. And uh, we never really had anything, but the fact that we had water running water and electricity, we were rich as far as they were concerned. And my dad and mom, I won't go into everything, but their vocation, my mom was a stay at home mom. She supported dad in what he did. And uh, his vocation, his job was helping people. 
And I saw the difference that you can make when you bring value to people. And he did it one at the time. And so when I was given the opportunity to start doing motivational speaking, I realized it's, I can change lives. You know, you, most people spend the first half of their life looking for success and the second half of their life looking for significance. That's from a book called Halftime by Buford. And I, uh, I was fortunate I've been able to enjoy success, whatever that means. But I do want to make a difference. You know, I want to have significance. I want to know that there's things that are going to go on when I'm done, when I'm dead, candidly. And that motivational speaking, if I know I can enhance somebody's life or change somebody's life or uh, make their life better, even if I can just make their day better, then I've made a difference. And, uh, you know, there's life is short at best. And the only thing that really matters is the relationships we have. You never see a Brinks truck or a Wells Fargo truck following a hearse to the graveyard. You don't take any of your money with you. And so uh, I've been fortunate in that area and I don't, I'm not opposed to making money and all that, but you know, there's, you don't take it with you. And so it's the relationships we have and the impact we have on lives that lives on in this world anyway, after we're gone. And that's my big motivation. I just want to help people. No, I, I love that answer because you definitely see some people taking their past uh, to, you know, um, give excuses. And I love that message you're giving us. Use your past to make you great. Absolutely. Um, so I, I love that. And I am, whoever asked this question, thank you, because it's, it's a great answer. And I love that. Um, so I have the next question coming up here from an anonymous attendee, and it is when... When are you most fully yourself? Um, I'm not sure if I under, understand that question, do you? So I, I think I might. Um, I'm pretty well, let me, let me address two things. One from a, my best time of day for working, and I know that's probably not the direction of the question, but my best time of day for working when I'm at my optimum, my premium, for me is between 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time and 12 o'clock. Mm -hmm. I'm a morning person and by 12 o'clock I've, I've already been up for, you know, whatever, however many, eight, quite a while. Cause I get up four o'clock. So I've been up mm -hmm. for a few hours already, you know, uh, and have got a lot done, a lot accomplished, but between eight and noon are my optimum times for thinking for, so I schedule important meetings. If I'm doing these, since this is a new thing, I try to do these all in the morning time. Uh, that's just when I'm at my, my prime. As far as when I'm myself, uh, when I got my grandkids on my lap, you know, mm. but I, I'm pretty well what you see. Those of you who might know me, I don't know who all I know. Pat knows me a little bit, but uh, what you see is what you get. I'm pretty comfortable in my own skin. I don't put on airs. I don't try to be something I'm not. I don't let other people define me or their opinions define how I should be or who I should be. And, and the people here in the community, I've been here my whole life that know me, um, what you see is what you get. And I have found that being myself, the, just the true me is who I want to be all the time. Mm -hmm. And I, now I, I'm going to make you listen to a quick story. Years ago, I got called into my boss's office. I had offended his executive assistant who was also his daughter, not a good thing. And I am one of those people that think everything's funny. 
I've got a sense of humor. I love to laugh. You can't hurt my feelings. My uh, friends and family would say, my wife would say, you can't hurt your feelings because you're not smart enough to know when people are insulting. <laughs> and so that's probably true. But uh, I, I tried to never, I, we were just raised joking around. I'm maybe a little overconfident. Some might call it arrogant, but I joke about everything. Anyway, so 35 years ago, I'm working 30 years ago, I'm working for this guy and I made his daughter mad and he called me in and, you know, he said, Hey, you offended her. I said, I was just teasing. And it wasn't anything inappropriate or anything like that. I was just joking around. And I said, I was just teasing, you know, and it's just, you know, I said, look, that's just me. I joke around and I'll never forget. He was a big old guy, had big old fists. He paid his way through college as a bare knuckle prize fighter in the streets of Atlanta during the depression. This guy was a big old man. He's an old mm. man. I'll never forget. He pointed his big finger at me and he said, you know what, if that's just you, then you need to change. Well, today, you know, people would trot to HR and file a grievance. That was good advice, y'all. Because if being me doesn't work, then I need to work on me. Uh -huh. We live in a day and age where everybody says, just, you know, you're free to be yourself. You're free to be yourself. Well, if yourself works, but we need to be working on ourselves. You know, if uh, my dad used to say, your liberty, your freedom's in where my nose begins. And we live in a day and age where we want everybody to accept us for everything and, and live in a judgment-free world. I don't know what planet y'all are from. That's not reality. I mean, now it'd be great if it was, and I wish it was. Look, for instance, I, if I hadn't told y'all I was from Northeast, if I had just said, I grew up in El Paso, went to a high school here in El Paso, where do you think I went? Everybody would say Coronado. Unless you're young, you'd say Franklin. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot, uh, Adali. Why would people say that I – and be very – honest why would people guess and i've asked that question a thousand times why would people guess that i went to coronado or Franklin? i mean people are biased uh they and, judge but what about me would make them say that yeah you're about, you're a wealthy white male rich white guy exactly mm -hmm. thank you for your honesty that proves your prejudice of course <laughs> <laughs> i didn't say no, i mean I didn't say racist. Okay, there's a difference. We you asked the right question. Yeah, we prejudge based, all of us do this. We prejudge based upon previous knowledge and or experience. That's how we survive. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, prejudice in a negative racist way. That's There's no place for that as far as I'm concerned. But everybody is going to judge everybody else based upon the color of their hair, the color of the skin, the color of their eyes, kind of car they drive, kind of clothes they wear, the way they wear their hair, if they have hair, don't have hair, the way they, where they live. All of those things. The fact that I graduated from Irvin High School, El Paso's first all gifted and talented high school. I'm kidding about that, obviously. Uh, doesn't, you know, there's people who I've literally had automatically disc. They say, oh, you went to Irvin? Not only that, the year I went, we made the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson for having the highest teen pregnancy rate in the nation and the highest drug rate, arrest rate. I didn't contribute to either one of those statistics. But, yeah, I went to Irvin. But people will automatically just kind of, Oh, you know, frown on me. It's okay. I don't care. You're not going to define me. But that just shows that we are. The reason I say that is because it's very important that we be able to be ourselves, but we need to be the kind of person that works, you know, that works. And when I say works, I don't mean we just do our job, but we're effective. Mm -hmm. you know, we wake up, work on ourselves to make us that way. There's a lot of things I was raised with. I had to learn new habits and new things because they weren't going to be conducive to where I wanted to go in life. But you never have to violate your values, your morals, or your principles to do that. So I love that. And actually, this is a, my question to you with that uh, 
with what you just said. So you did say that it is important to stay true to yourself, but at the same time, be aware that you do need to work on yourself. You know, you can't stop that because you need to keep growing or that uh, ideally that's what you want to do. So how do you stay true to yourself, but at the same time, be aware of uh, things that you might need to change about yourself? So here's the thing. There's a misconception, and I don't want to get too deep into this or too far off, mm-hmm. but I think there's value in this. There's a big misconception today that's being propagated that everybody can be however they want to be. Well, what if I want to be a mass murderer? Is that okay? I don't think so. Okay, but so then if you're one of those people who say, you know what, you just need to be true to yourself. What if that's me being true to myself? Mm-hmm. That, so it's so nobody really believes it's okay to just be a, however you want to be because nobody's going to say, yeah, it's okay to be a vast murderer. Because if you carry that line of thinking to an extreme, obviously it does not work. Right. So what we've done is we've created this mindset in our culture that, you know, everybody can think however they want to think and feel however they want to feel and, and do whatever they want as long as it doesn't affect me. You can be whatever you want. As long as, well, that's not right either. And mm-hmm. so... What, it, what I believe, that we all have core values. I'm, I happen to be a Christian, for instance, and I believe the Bible. And so that's, that's my core values are established around that. I don't beat people over the head with it. Don't apologize for it. I'm never going to violate those. My ethics, my moral values, my code, I'm going to do my best not to do my best not to violate. I don't want to sell never violate. Do my best. I have many times, unfortunately. <laughs> but I'm going to do my best. I don't have to violate that and, uh, in order to be successful. I can be true to myself and still work on being a better me. You know, saying that I need to improve in certain areas is not saying I'm not good enough. It's just saying I want to be better. Saying I want to be a better dad or grandpa or spouse or whatever it is, that doesn't mean that I'm, I don't want to still try and, and uh, that I'm not good enough. It just means I always want to be better for the people I care about, the people I love. And so being true to ourselves is true to our core values. Very seldom have I ever seen somebody where their real core values and trying to be a better person came in conflict. Mm-hmm. But that has become for some people an excuse to not strive to be better. And, uh, and I'm being very, I know I'm playing with my cards face up. Don't mean to be offensive, but <laughs> I'd rather help you than tell you, tell a person what they want to hear. So, and I, I would gladly have that discussion with any, and by the way, I've had that discussion with a lot of people. Well, mm-hmm. I should be free to be just me. That's right. And I can be free to be me. And people forget that that goes both ways. You know, they want everybody to accept them, but yet they don't always accept everybody else. And we've seen a lot of that, especially in recent years. And we're about to end the session. So are you active on any other platforms other than LinkedIn? No, no. I've got a Facebook that I hadn't been on in a year. <laughs> and, and I took a hiatus from social media uh, mm-hmm. just because of the, you know, it's part of my, managing my mindset and everything. And uh, I would just encourage everybody, social media, I know it's a part of everybody's lives and everything. I have not looked at any other social media than LinkedIn because it's professional. Okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked at any of the other social medias or anything for well over a year and I don't miss it. I don't need somebody else's. I got enough drama in my own life with eight kids. That's right. I don't need to borrow anybody else's drama. And the reality is social media is not real life. People put mm-hmm. up there, whatever they want people to see and believe it. I know that it's part of life and it's a great way for business. And I'm not saying you shouldn't leverage it for your business. Absolutely. And the other thing, I don't want my personal life lived out in front of everybody. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm old school and old fashioned. Um, you know, I, I don't want to share stuff with 3,800 of my closest friends and colleagues. You know what I mean? If you're my friend, we're going to have coffee once in a while. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm friends with them. You know, I have no idea who they are. And so I just, and I don't care about people doing my business as much as I just, I don't need the drama and the brain dead. And I would encourage all of you, take us a break from social media over the holidays, especially. You know, you don't need to see everybody's turkey dinner and just... <laughs> people in the room mm-hmm. now if you're doing it to interact with your family or something or close friends that's different but but be with the people that i'm gonna give you one piece of advice that you didn't ask i heard somebody say one time we should worry about the people who will attend our funeral mm. if i were to die today i doubt my i don't even know how many friends i have on facebook 1800 i doubt all 3800 of those people would attend my funeral. Right. And and those are the people we really ought to be concerned about and spend our time with and make decisions that in you know considering them. That's that's what I try to do. And social media is not reality. And that, there's a whole psychology that's created as a result of the unrealistic world that social media has created. It's sad to me. Definitely. Sorry yeah. I'm an old man. That's my opinion. But <laughs> no. love to see you on LinkedIn. Okay. I'll be on LinkedIn. There you go, LinkedIn, uh, detox for the holidays. That's good advice uh, for the social media uh, pages. And our session is about over now. I do want to take some time to thank you on behalf of our CEO, Cindy Ramos-Davidson. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, Very great tips and tricks and advice from you. We definitely appreciate it. If you want to listen to this session while you drive to get groceries or uh, to work, um, make sure you stay tuned. This is also pre-recorded, so we'll go. Uh, it's going to be on our social media platforms, LinkedIn, YouTube. Um, so take a look at that. Thank you so much, Dr. Mitchell. We appreciate. Right. All right. Take All care, right. everybody. Bye bye. Have a good one. Bye bye.